BBCC episode 71, my realization of the day. Spoilers ahead for Slumber Party Massacre 2021. After watching the movie that uh, we're going to be discussing today, I'm not sure if Whitney's mom fighting Pamela Voorhees at the end of 2009, Friday the 13th, was the missing ingredient or not. But it would have made for a less confusing ending than this film had. More on that in a bit. Let's go ahead and start the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror. I am one of your hosts, guy number one. Sitting across from me is my co-host, guy number two. How are you doing today? I'm doing terrific. Wearing my guy number two uniform, uh, ready to, to end our Slumber Party Massacre uh, marathon here on a high note. We, uh, we've got a fun discussion here planned for today. I'm very excited. Yeah, it is time to put this franchise to sleep. We are not staying up until the sun rises for this one. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, interesting, you know, the way that we were able to tackle a series, you know, it has a trilogy and then a uh, remake that a lot of people didn't know happened, apparently. I, I I didn't know. I like to think that I kind of have my finger on the pulse a little bit here, but this one just completely slipped by me. Um, it could be because it was a, a made-for-TV sci-fi original. That could be the reason here. I don't know if this got like a theatrical release anywhere on the planet, but I'm happy that I had the opportunity to watch it and get to talk about it today. Well, it's interesting. It was um, a production with Shout Factory, um, who, you know, does like the special edition, like Blu-rays and DVDs and such. Yep. And um, they produce it. And this did like go to like Fantastic Fest and uh, some of the other festivals, but uh, just didn't really get talked about because, yeah, I'd say, you know, I'm pretty in the know when it comes to the the spooky movies. And I literally didn't know about this movie until right when it came out. They're like, oh, hey, this Friday on Sci-Fi, new Slum Party Massacre movie. I was like, oh, oh, um, I guess I should finally watch the original trilogy. And then I didn't know about it until this episode started. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pause while you guys are talking. I'm just going to go turn this on. So <laughs> Yeah, so we are we are um, going to wrap it up, and then we do still have a uh, special episode coming next week to round out our Women's History Month, and um, we'll tell you about that at the end of the episode. But mm-hmm. first, we have to introduce our guest for the episode. Um, it is not just the boys today. We do have a wonderful lady with us. She is the host of the TGIF Horror Podcast and founder and co-editor-in-chief of Hear Us Scream, The Voices in Horror. Welcome to the show, Kat Benstead. Hey, thanks for having me. This is welcome, welcome. super exciting. <laughs> yeah, I've been on your show twice now, um, yeah. and I, I just had to invite you over for some pizza and um, fake wine cooler booze. <laughs> some water? Yeah. 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 
we, we've uh, taken time to discuss all the snacks in the movies and this one had an interesting turn because there are like intentionally kind of lame snacks some of them are also <laughs> poisoned a... which is a vibe yeah. all. Um, but I was like looking at some of the drinks that they were drinking and I was like what are those wine coolers like what kind of ladies night is this this is ridiculous like and then you come to find out oh it's just it's just bottled water not to I don't know are we dive into spoilers already but <laughs> no it, we, we're not quite yet we'll we gotta tease them a little bit but yeah I was about to say the snack game I, I was gonna call out this movie for the snack game but um they did uh, redeem themselves for their reasoning makes sense um but before we hop into the movie um because you know before we've been talking the movies we've been um talking different um things regarding um female creators within the horror genre so i came up with a question as i was watching a movie the other night what movie that was directed by a man should be remade by a female director um ladies first i want to see what you think cap I would love to see more of Stephen King's films because he has this really cool ability to write some fantastic female characters, but we've seen it through male directors and male writers. So I'd really like to see either Carrie or Misery remade by a woman and through like a female gaze instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I always wondered why. I mean, because the the TV, uh, the made for TV Carrie, that one was directed by a woman, right? But not the um chloe grace remake i don't think but it's like yeah carrie makes so much more sense to be directed by a a yeah i I think i out of those two i would support the misery one the most and i think that's just because i don't want to see another godforsaken carrie movie (laughs) like can we just can we we move on with the carrie but misery that that sounds terrific (laughs) yeah i think it'd be really cool to see you know um a female's mental health crisis portrayed and directed by a woman. That'd be more interesting. First scene in the movie is literally a girl having her period. So yeah, that seems appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Like men don't know what that feels like. Of course they don't. (laughs) Until a couple of weeks ago, Devon and I didn't even know if girls ate food. (laughs) We weren't (laughs) sure. They don't do either. But we were sure. If we have learned anything from this franchise, it is that women do indeed eat food. That Um, they do. They they do. We we love snacks. Everyone loves snacks. (laughs) (laughs) Vital information. Um, but yeah, um, it, it, I guess we do have plenty of Carrie movies. Um, we even have Carrie-esque movies. Um, if you haven't watched Hellbender yet, um, there's some shades of Carrie in there. You guys yeah. should uh, mm-hmm. definitely check mm-hmm. that one out. Uh, what about you, Garrett? What do you think? I actually am picking one that um, you guys discussed on the podcast um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was I was out ill. I was I was I was uh, under the weather, so I didn't get to join you on this one. But Abby from 1974, the black exploitation movie, I think would be really interesting because it has a lot of subtle or not feminist themes in there. A lot of ideas that I think could translate really well to a modern audience. And this movie, because of a lot of budgetary reasons, a lot of societal reasons, this film just didn't quite have the, I think, resources that it, that it really needed or deserved. And I think that this film uh, could really benefit from more of a modern kind of facelift in a way. So I think that, that would be great. And I think a female perspective on this would be definitely needed as well. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we've gotten your thoughts on Abby through a couple episodes now to make yeah, up for you missing that episode. <laughs> so we do. So we, we got more of that happy about it. And in that episode, me and uh, Shirai did have like a few moments where it kind of became a joke that it was like, oh, this wouldn't fly in 2022, Abby. You know, like that was something that like kept coming up recurring. And it would make sense because it's like, no, it wouldn't fly, especially if a woman directed yeah. Uh, yeah. that story as well so yeah i think that makes complete sense absolutely let's see it the uh the movie that sprung this on me um so i'm in the midst of a uh, david cronenberg um odyssey um because i'm i'm guesting on a podcast talking about the fly in a couple days and the fly is one of my all-time favorite movies but then i realized i have not seen a lot of cronenberg movies um so i'm been uh, binging through them and i got to the brood the other day love the brood um i was not a big fan i didn't dislike it but um wasn't a big fan either and what i've noticed in my binge so far is early cronenberg um up until like the fly he's not really the best with characters and i don't know if that's him not being able to write you know characters or if he um he was also working with a lot of like not well-known actors you know in cast so I don't know if that had to do with it either but just like through a lot of his early films that is always my big note is like the 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 main characters and the performances from those characters are always lacking and when it comes to the brood um this um story about um you know complicated elements of parenthood I think um uh, you know would shine through a big time from a female directed lens you know who you know not that fathers aren't important when it comes to parenthood but like who really knows parenthood um mothers do you know so that's <laughs> where I think um the brood um cuz the brood also an interesting concept um and it like has some fun scenes in it but um if any of like you know one of Cronenberg's movies uh could be remade I mean a couple of them have been already but The Brood I think um could use a a a, a modern retelling Yeah I think it would be something like Suspiria to me to where like typically I'm I'm kind of anti remake I'm just like hey go make go make another thing go do a different thing It's funny we're talking about a remake today <laughs> but I think if it would like I say Suspiria because the director that that remake was paired with I was so fascinated by that and I was like I'm very like morbidly curious to see this so if it was something like because uh, I, I am a big fan of The Brood and I love David Cronenberg as well so if somebody came along and had like a really fresh take on that I would be I would be very interested to see that that's usually my thing is like just do a different thing you know what if it uh, was if you are doing a remake you know what what if it was Karen Kusama would you say yay or nay Hey, Yay. as long as as long as the pitch is good and uh, you know that you got a good trailer and a good hook, then then I'm there. But yeah, that's that's a pretty good pick. Yeah, I think I think um, I think Karen could do something really. I dig that. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, and that is why I did choose that question though, because we are talking a remake. So let's uh, go over into the cabin and see what the girls are up to in this week's movie. <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre, sans the the, that's how you know this one is 
different, directed by <laughs> Danishka Easterhazy. I hope I'm saying that pr- correctly. Written by Suzanne Kylie. Um, it was released October 16th, uh, 2021 on Sci-Fi. Um, this was um, made on, I couldn't even find the budget information for it, but was shot in only 18 days. Um, it was a brush shooting. It was written and like um, like all put together within the year of 2021, um, which um, I don't think shows. Um, I think, you know, this movie has a um, well, the, the production value is there compared to at least the rest of the franchise. But maybe mm-hmm. not, um, you know, not as super glossy either. But um, we'll kind of get into some of the stylistic uh, choices in there. But anyways, um, this movie, um, the director wanted to, um, you know, stay true to the original intention of the original Summer Party Massacre, um, but flip the script on a lot of uh, tropes, uh, specifically, you know, with genders and um, writing of standard slasher cliches. Um, and not in a mean way. I feel like this was um, definitely in like all good fun in the parody um, aspects that we get to this film. So, Kat, what made you want to talk about this one specifically? I'm obsessed with one and two. I haven't. I must admit, I haven't seen three yet. Is it is on my list? I think it's on Shutter. Uh, but I know the 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 first two definitely are. And I spoke with uh, Raina Cervantes. Uh, Cervantes, sorry. Um, about the first one and it was just such a great conversation that it led to this obsession with everything slumber party massacre like to the point where i was like looking for russ thorne costumes at one point because <laughs> i needed a denim vest Break so out that canadian tuxedo That's yeah right. But um, yeah, it's just such a fantastic film. And this one is done through such an amazing and funny, like female gaze perspective that um, I just don't feel happens very often in film. And yeah, I think they just did a really fantastic job. The characters are great. The kills are great. Um, It's funny. It's stupid. There's himbos. Like what else could you want in a (laughs) slumber party movie? Yeah, it, it it was definitely um you know the the way that it, it took this film um definitely like the structure wise was very interesting and unique uh, compared to the rest of the films the rest of the films in the original trilogy are all kind of pretty straightforward except maybe three three does kind of try to take some twists and turns here and there and it is not on Shutter that's what we learned oh, um, it, you can only watch it on YouTube um, yeah. unless oh, you right. unless you yeah. buy the Blu-ray two pack. Um, it's a three is elusive, but it, I think it's it's worth seeking out, though. I would disagree, but <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to our episode and find out the reasoning on that one. Um, but this one. Uh, so I've had like a pretty rocky, uh, a rocky journey with with these movies. I think they've steadily declined in, in quality since the original one, even though two was like such a, a weird departure there. Um, but this one, I think you're totally right that it feels like such a fun kind of rebuttal to a lot of these movies, but it's not done in like a finger waggy kind of like uh, you should have done this or like shame on you kind of way. It's all kind of in good fun and all kind of acknowledging that those movies came out in a certain era and because of producers and whoever and the powers that be, they had to become a certain thing. 
And then now that we have the opportunity to tell something with a little bit more of a modern sensibility, we can kind of address those things and address them in a really fun tongue in cheek way. This movie is full of Easter eggs and references and callbacks to some of the other movies. Yeah. Uh, one in particular to some party massacre, uh, massacre two, which was one of my favorites. Um, but there is just this, this movie is, is, you know, Florida ceiling just packed with so much love for this series while also kind of, uh, poking fun and and uh, altering and kind of joking about some of the some of the things that haven't aged as well from the uh, for the past uh, <laughs> couple of movies, um, but also features some really great kills and a, and a lot of fun and a pretty exciting twist. I had no idea what the twist was in this movie, and I thought it was pretty different for a lot of slasher movies and not something that I've seen a lot in the slasher genre. So I had a really great time with this. I thought that this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I've had a, I mean, yeah, I think I've had a more pleasant experience uh, with this franchise compared to you, Garrett, so far. And I, I just like that this is one of those franchises that um, each one has its own different flavor. You know, I think that's when slashers are the most successful is where it's like, OK, yeah, you're taking the same thing, you know, like the standard slasher formula and put whatever tropes you want in it. Um, it's, you know, it's like, you know, uh, we've had this discussion before, uh, with the evil dead movies, it's like pizzas, um, yeah. you know, and I'd say that's kind of the same for slashers as well. Maybe burgers. We'll go with burgers for the sake of a different food. And well, I was going to say, I was going to address the pizza in this movie. They are carrying at the beginning of this movie, some of the biggest slices of pizza I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Like this thing looks like the size of like a femur. Like this thing is enormous. They're like it's like a two hand to carry that they've got here. I was like, is somebody gonna point this out? This is it's it's insane how how big this pizza is here. Also, who's delivering this pizza? They're out in like the middle of nowhere. Like there's no way they're they're having to they're have to do carry out. And by the time you get it home, it's gonna be cold. I'm just saying Soggy. pizza. Yeah, it's going to be soggy. You have to warm it up in the oven. I'm just saying pizza was probably not the best idea. Maybe you should have done like taco night or something is all I'm saying. I mean, would it be a Slumber Party Massacre movie, though, without pizza? <laughs> without pizza. Um, <laughs> you got to have pizza. It's one of the key ingredients. Um, I mean, and what, and what I like about this movie is, you know, I in the the little short film cold open, which I'm always mm-hmm. a sucker for, um, very yeah. reminiscent <laughs> of friday the 13th 2009 i didn't mean to wrap that back around but (laughs) there it is um but very similar very similar to that where it's like the the cold open it's like here we're gonna give you like all the usual things for you real quick and it basically like sums up all the um recurring tropes that we've been seeing throughout the uh series you know from the pizza from the dance party from the boy lurking through the window on the outside um, all these things and we get all that in this like little short form short film cold open yeah. and then the rest of the movie kind of goes from there um mm-hmm. uh, there are lots of twists and turns in this movie and this is a fairly recent movie that we're covering for once so if you have not seen this film you should definitely stop the episode right now go watch it um you can uh rent it on amazon right now or it's on um if you have um cable you can watch it for free so yeah, so I uh, rented it on uh, Google Play, and it was on for it was like for sale, so it was like two bucks to rent. So boom, yeah. there you go. Yeah. No excuse. Go watch the movie, <laughs> but we are going to spoil it from here on in. Cat, yeah. are you ready for our '60s synopsis challenge? Yes. <laughs> All righty. All right. 
I like that everybody now now people are like, all right, people are getting into right. it and we're getting the prep going now. I'm into it. All <laughs> I right, need to I, go run some laps to get signed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got a minute on the timer for you in three, okay. two, one. Go. Four friends celebrating the end of school plan a weekend of self-discovery and a huge slumber party. There's only there's only four. I don't know how big they were planning. Uh, the weekend, however, is derailed when their car breaks down, leaving them stranded in bumfuck nowhere. They spend the night in a lake house and have to spend the entire evening protecting a bunch of himbos on the other side of the lake and themselves against the Killadrillo Rust Thorn. Done. Boom. What do you reckon? Yeah, got him. Pretty straightforward. Because yeah. again, yeah, and you did do it in thirty seconds. Cat called yes! it before the episode. She goes, "I'm going for thirty seconds because I talk. Let me get it out." So I like that. It's gonna come out. We're gonna we're gonna have to make a leaderboard now, um, because Jessica, you know, set the bar on on the um, second one, but now you you beat that. So we're gonna just like yes! see if people can speed rush this in like eight seconds <laughs> i'm messaging her after and being like i beat your I beat you. <laughs> <laughs> yes i love the competitiveness that's what i want from everybody but yeah you yeah. pretty much covered it besides you know like i said the besides the cold open where it's like you get double yeah. that where it's like you literally get times two um but with the twist of it being that um the similarities are not for not it is um that they are I like that they're basically summoning Rustthorn um, mm -hmm. by doing all the tropes to lure him out to kill them, so that way they can kill him. They're hunting Rustthorn, and I was like, "Oh I didn't shit!" Want to put that in. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't uh, want any. I don't want to give it away. We're <laughs> deep into spoilers now. If you haven't seen it, take a hike. That's what I gotta say. <laughs> but I, I, I dig that. I, I'm glad that I was not spoiled of that by Twitter. Um, because I feel like yeah. that is fun. We haven't really seen that too often. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, and but the way that they do it, too, um, because I kind of I didn't really think about it. But like when at the beginning, when it's like it's introduced that, um, you know, the uh, the night that we saw at the beginning, you know, happened. And now it's, you know, this famous event and it's been turned into a true crime podcast. Of course, I was like, you know, really building out this like um, mythology of um, of the series. Yeah, the cold open in this movie is really interesting, and you're right on to point out the Friday the 13th, uh, the, the remake, uh, the reboot, or whatever you want to call it, that, that cold open. Because it's like, if you've never seen any of these movies before, you could just play that for someone and just be like, this yeah. is an abbreviated version of what all of these movies are, aside yeah. from like, yeah, there's one with like telepathy and like magic powers and one where he goes to space, but we're not going to worry about that one. And then this <laughs> this series, it's like, yeah, and then there's the one where it's like a musical and like a rockabilly, like rock Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of situation. But no, the, the cold open in this movie is literally just the first movie, just really fast forwarded. You know, like you're like you said, Devon, there's the the guy creeping out at the window, which I thought was hilarious because he's literally like doing things to himself outside the window, sees another man doing what he assumes same is the same thing. thing. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, what a pervert. And like, he <laughs> goes over to like confront him, which was excellent. Uh, but yeah, it's like a very abbreviated, like it's like the fun size candy version of what this entire series is. And what a lot of the spinoffs to uh, were too. And the fact that it's able to, uh, to uh, kind of go back to that. And it's not just to, 
get you uh, sucked into the movie and go, okay, well, yeah, the Slumber Party Massacre, cool. No, it's like, no, it's characters and ramifications and how that impacts future generations. And uh, there's a character that was in that that is intrinsic to the plot of this new one. I thought it was all really interesting and I was just kind of along for the ride. And I, I, I found uh, that to be uh, a really fun, interesting way to like hook you and get you uh, interested in this movie because some of these films, they, they can take a little bit to like really get going where this one, it's just like right off the bat. I mean, it, it kind of introduces us to the tone, um, at, you know, as far as uh, kind of the comedy that we're going to get from the film, because uh, this is easily the funniest of any of the mm-hmm. Slumber Party Massacre movies. Um, I did find myself yeah. consistently laughing because um, yeah. I love when he goes, yeah, there's probably guys in there. That's why you dress like that. And it just shows her in pajamas. And she's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, OK. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a couple of really good moments in here. I think the biggest laugh that I got is when they were talking to the car mechanic and <laughs> yes. he's like, I don't I don't know car lingo, but he's like, hey, your your whatever is broken. And she's like, is there anything we can do about that? And like pushed her chest together. And he's like, I don't think that that's going to help at all. <laughs> it's just like a really hilarious that like really got a good laugh out of me. That was that was so yeah. funny. <laughs> I love the cold open because and it's no surprise that the tall skinny dude is chad um great name great name but um yeah i think it's just really funny that they were able to make fun of how men project these really weird things onto their girlfriends when when we're young and -hmm. it's just like what the fuck why Yeah. yeah yeah he's like i've got to watch to make sure she's not doing anything that i wouldn't let her do yeah no it's so so strange and it you know they it so we get like you know the the stabs at that um throughout the film you know once the the guy group is introduced later (laughs) uh, which is a first we've never had like dueling slumber party gangs and i like that they make note of it too um you know but yeah this movie is super funny i really do dig all of that and um but then yeah we and then we follow the daughter of a survivor which is a um new thing um that i very much appreciated so um let's uh we'll meet the girls um at the beginning the survivor uh is named uh trish Devereaux, which was her name in um where in the first one it was actually um at the kruger house i never pointed that out that um characters from the first and second movies their last names were like kruger uh craven um there was a there was another um horror reference last name but anyways, the survivor was Trish, and then we uh, meet her daughter Dana, uh, with her uh, best friend slash, um, you know, um, ambiguous crush Maeve, and then we got Brainy, and uh, Maeve's stowaway little sister Alex, and then we have um, fake airhead Ashley, who is also a mechanic apparently. So these are our girls that um, we are rocking with to go um, hunt down Russ Thorne. Um, as compared to, uh, you know, um, it, you know, cause what the, the original trilogy, you know, all of them do such a good job of like having these, uh, friends all feel very familial, um, have backstory and characters to them. Um, uh, did you feel that kind of same camaraderie cat from these girls as you did some of the other ones? Yeah, absolutely. All the way through, because we always see them, you know, uh, at the start of the films, planning their evening, and they seem like they have that connection straight away. Like, we don't need to have this exposition about how they know each other and why they're friends. It's kind of just already straightforward. Like, these are best friends. 
they they have great friendships that's all you need to know and I, I really appreciate all of their friendships and how they they communicate with one another and just kind of gravitate around one another in a way I like that yeah, I think as far as like the group of gals go, this one was, I really enjoyed a lot of them. Um, you've got a nice, like we've talked about that this series, uh, frankly, doesn't have a lot of uh, a lot of racial diversity in this, uh, but th I thought this was a, a nice colorful group of girls where they are not all just like a bunch of suburban white girls. Uh, they, <laughs> they all look different. Um, I thought that, that was really nice. They all have different personalities, which I thought was really fun. Uh, and they also... They're, even though that they're a little overly enthusiastic about this and maybe a little bit <laughs> in over their head about like how well that they're going to fare in this, <laughs> I like that they go in there guns hot in the, reveal, <laughs> in the reveal of this, of them doing the the uh, pillow fight and then pulling like machetes and baseball <laughs> bats out of this. Bill, I was like, what is Love happening that. here? Yeah, so it's such a fun, uh, it's such a fun reveal. And again, if you go into this and you don't really know anything and you've seen all of these it's such a fun diversion and it's such a fun twist because you kind of expect to see what you've typically seen in this, but for it to be like, no, we're not going to just do the typical thing that's been done three times in a row. Let's do something different and actually, um, uh, actually commentate on not just this film, but also I would say the Friday the 13th movies uh, as well. There's some references and uh, some cliches and things like that, that are as applicable to this series as they are to any other slasher film, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, for me, I like all the characters individually, at least. Um, I don't feel their closeness as much, and maybe it is because we don't have that, you know, give me that one singular thing. It's like, yeah, are they on the volleyball team together? Are they in a band together? Like, because they, but they went to it, school together. They went to school together, which, yeah. But I know that would also ruin the vagueness of it, of, you know, because yeah. they literally just kept calling the trip, like, no, this is an important trip. We, we're doing this togetherness, and it's just like, okay, wait, but what are you, what? like, what is, why is this so special, you know, so. You know, I, I love a good group of murder girls, murder gals, they're just <laughs> hanging out, and it's, it's yeah, so well, That's funny their thing, I guess. Yeah, that's their thing, that's their bonding, they do it every weekend, but that's, that was so, it was I so wish. great to see that, like, <laughs> they're, they're driving to this, they're, what they refer to, like, is their special weekend, or whatever, and the sisters stow away in the trunk, <laughs> and you watch it, and you're just kind of like, oh, little sis is wanting to, like, see on all the fun activities, and but you don't, when you watch it again, you're like, oh no, they're like, she's signing up to go kill somebody, yeah. you know? Like, that's kind of a fun rewatching it with, like, I don't know, should we go back? And it's like, yeah, you probably should have gone back. Worst yeah. case scenario, she's kind of a buzzkill for the weekend if it's just a normal <laughs> slumber party, but that's not what you're doing. You're going to attack a murderer, you know? <laughs> See, I now when, that, now um, when, oh, yo, go ahead, Kat. I was just saying, I love when she gets out of the car and she's like, are you guys doing drugs? <laughs> and they're like, Yes, yeah, that is exactly that, what we're doing. We're this doing. Weekend. Yep. Yeah, no drugs yep. for Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Okay, now I did. Now I understand that a little bit more. Like, yeah, no killing for Alex, even though yeah. they totally <laughs> let her kills, kind of. But oh yeah, she she lets it loose. She's stabbed yeah. that like thirty times. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and, and now in retrospect, though, in that moment, like yeah, Dana, you are kind of reckless, like because she was very much like the way she it like was sounding like um sounding like it was like a sorority big little thing. Like oh yeah, she's gonna learn and embrace the the togetherness yeah. of us. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, 
and it does make it sound like this is like an every weekend thing like oh yeah no she's joining along for this one like we've done a few to prepare for this one that, i, I <laughs> yeah. would love that if that was like their true thing <laughs> yeah that's what i meant by like some of these girls are a little overzealous like they go into this and they've got knives and this guy's like a murderer a cold-blooded murderer and they're like trying their best to kill him uh and there's a couple situations where they like go head to head with him got like the small knife and he like knocks it out of their hand and they're like oh, i didn't prepare for that like i didn't it's like like you had no other plan no backup anything i don't know maybe a gun nobody yeah, no, stole a, a that, gun or anything no. but yeah yeah <laughs> It's yeah. America. Someone has a gun. Someone's at heart. probably got a gun. <laughs> Someone has to have a gun, and then they have even the nerve to like shade the guys when they pick bad murder weapons later. Which, like, <laughs> yeah, they do pick the worst murder weapons, but they're giving what? them shade, and it's like, hey, you, you, you guys didn't prepare that much better. <laughs> Well, that's something that I really liked about is, is this is like the guys in this movie kind of take the role of a lot of the women in most slasher films. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to go on a journey here. Uh, stay with me. There was a video that came out a couple of years ago of somebody took like a Batman video game and replaced the character models of Batman and Catwoman. And so Batman's like walking around and he's like sh you know, shaking his hips and he looks all ridiculous. <laughs> and it's kind of the same principle with this. It's like, yeah, when you do switch the roles it is ridiculous and yeah. they do a lot of stupid shit and so when the guys grab a frying pan or a pot or whatever it's like yeah you, i could point to any friday the 13th movie and some girl in that is going to do the same thing where there's a yeah. a wall of knives and she's like okay uh, great a pizza cutter you know it's like <laughs> it's it's ridiculous so it's fun to see that role kind of reversed and you've got fun moments of like the guy in the shower which we've talked about this series in the first movie it's literally just like a a wall all in a parade of boobs where this he's yeah. like all naked and you get his big soapy butt which so yeah it's it's, it's all in fun it's all super hyper aware which i uh, aware which i really appreciated yeah i watched this this morning with my five and seven year old nieces and uh they loved it by the way everyone so don't be giving me shit on twitter about my nieces no, start them um, earlier <laughs> <laughs> I won't show them Beetlejuice. Like Beetlejuice is scary for five-year-olds, but Slumber Party Massacre was fine. It's fine. Ah, go traumatize um, <laughs> them. They'll be fine. <laughs> they'll be like us. They'll host a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll probably do, they'll one-up me and do a YouTube channel. Nice. Um, and so when that scene came on, I was trying to explain to them why this is so funny to me because the, the shower scene. And I was like, okay, well, you know, in a lot of movies, they'll normally show a woman naked doing this. Yeah. And so I'm explaining like the female gaze and how they've used that in this film and what the male gaze is. And like, they, they're quite intelligent kids. Um, mm -hmm. And the youngest just laughs and goes, I can't believe we saw his butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, they, it's... they make sure to give us plenty of butt. Like, oh, they loved it. They thought it was great. The, they're the like, camera... oh, they showed his butt. <laughs> the camera is so deliberate the way it like it goes. It takes two passes up and down his <laughs> yeah. back. Just yeah. to go back to his butt again. Yeah. It's fun. It's funny though Lots because like the idea of like the female gaze is like a debated thing in like film criticism, and it's interesting that when this movie employs male nudity, if you want to call it that, 
like it's not done in a lustful way they're not like oh my god look how hot this guy is isn't he so hot and it's uh, sure as hell not a producer note like a you have to yeah. fill a quota of how many boobs in this movie it's super ridiculous and silly and the music is dumb and this guy is like striking a pose in the shower and he's like got 10 abs it's ridiculous it's supposed to be Oh, yeah, I, I love it. Not not a single glimpse of female nudity, but we do get yeah. plenty of male butt and shirtless guys. I love that. I yeah. love everything that they did do with this. And I like how they even, but there even still was a funny logic to how the shower scene happened, which I think mm-hmm. is also fun because like the in you know a typical movie when you do see an unnecessary shower scene you're like okay how are we how did we get to this point why are we randomly watching them take a shower yeah i love that it was he opens the cooler twice and there's a dead body (laughs) he goes oh what's that smell and they like keeps doing it and then so he thinks it's him so he goes oh i just need to shower right now you know and then just i love like so there even still was logic to get there But yeah. um, the and the pillow fight scene, you know, oh, getting <laughs> finally Hilarious. getting the reversal of the girls watching the guys having a pillow fight through the window, and it's yeah. It, yeah. it's everything. And, there's and they that, loved the, it. it yeah. There, well, there's that callback line too, where they say like, "Is this what guys really do when they have sleepovers?" And they're like, "God, that's pathetic." Whereas like in the other movies, they're like, "Oh my god, this is our dream." It's like we're, you know, like this. I can't believe we're seeing this right now. And this, they're just like, oh my, "What a bunch of weirdos." <laughs> <laughs> but I love that one of the girls are like, "Are they out sleeper partying us?" <laughs> Yes, they, oh, they sorry, out got, slumber partying us. They yeah. got out slumber partied oh. and out murdered at one point. They're like, wait, are they getting stalked like better than us too now? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was great because a lot of times in this series, like the the guys make their way into this movie and they do mm-hmm. so because they just like insert themselves there and they're like, oh, we're going to go lure out the window or scare the girls or whatever. And these guys are just having like a nice weekend, <laughs> just hanging yeah. out with the boys, playing beer pong and, and eating junk food as well. And so it's kind of funny that it's kind of flipped where the girls are like these murderous group of, of young girls are like kind of interrupting their fun weekend. Yeah, sure. The guys would have died anyway. But yeah. <laughs> well, and it would have been killed eventually. Well, yeah, and it's yeah, interesting sure. because it's like, like you said, like every other movie, it's, you know, the boys infiltrate their way into the story, into the slumber yeah. party versus here. It's like, you know, the guys like, yeah, they they initiate going over and checking on the girls and like saying, hey, or whatever. But then they were going to leave. And at that point yeah. in the movie, if the girls wanted to just be like, oh, well, we'll let them go and we're going to continue on with the plan then they wouldn't Mm -hmm. have been in the movie. But it's like the girls take it upon themselves that they go, okay, are we putting them in harm's way? Should we go help them? And so now it's the girls willingly bringing the guys into the story of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this is as good as time as any to talk about kind of their plan in this movie. So their their plan is that they're going to go to this cabin. And like you had said, Devon, they're going to kind of lure Russ Thorne here by doing the ritual of the snacks and the pajamas and the pillow fight and all the all the trappings, which somehow like I assume he's just like laying in a coffin <laughs> or, 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 or like in, a, in his like van. In a, in his van. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just opens the door and smoke comes out. It's in the same van that the guy had in the 
third movie with all the candles the, yes the, the fire hazard on wheels yeah he's uh they kind of summon him there and then their their plan is to kill him because the the mother of one of the girls was was the you know the girl at the, the beginning which also great reveal she like waves by to her and you see the little thing in the hand and yeah. I thought that, that was like very show don't tell really liked that yeah um but you know as they they kind of get in and over their head where they're planned to kill this murderous psychopath. Maybe it doesn't go quite as well uh, as they had originally planned for it to, for a number of reasons. And I, I just thought that that was such a great twist, something that I've never really seen before. Um, I, in our movie math section, I'll point to like really the only other movie I can uh, slash movie that I can think of for that happening. Um, but I just thought it was such a fun original oh, kind of uh, yeah. take here and a way that, you know, is, uh, allows the film to comment on on stereotypes and tropes in this trilogy, but then subvert them in a really fun way. Yeah, there's lots of fun scenes, um, especially that uh, the pillow fight scene. So these boys, these men, are unintentionally doing the things that the girls are intentionally doing to bring mm-hmm. us thought exactly. to yeah. the lake. And I love when the girls do arrive and the boys are freaking out thinking the girls are the killers mm-hmm. and they're standing there shirtless and quickly put all their shirts back on as if yeah. the girls are perverts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it does have a, and I think Devon's going to mention it later. It does have a very like Tucker and Dale versus evil thing to yeah. it where these girls are in the wrong situation at the, yeah. the wrong place at the wrong time. And the guys are seeing it and they're like, Oh my God, they're a bunch of monsters. Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, they're stabbing this guy. And you know, they're just, yeah. they're actually just trying to, trying to nullify protect the situation them. and protect them and kill and you know that that was really fun yeah it's awesome yeah it and i love how out. it's just fantastic oh and i love how the dude's like dialogue is like all just trash too like because I, yeah. I like how the the guy one and guy two bit is like obviously <laughs> like you know we we get this throughout the movie which i yeah. love and it's like because it's like who cares what their names are like okay we gave three yeah. we gave three of them names those are the other two guys, whatever. Like, so it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then just like the way that they talk is just so funny. Like, you know, and like they, even though they just got done having an extra feathery pillow fight, they're still, you yep. know, trying to be all like masculine and uh, they uh, overtaking their plan. They're, the girl's like, no, we have a plan already. And the guy's like, okay, no, here's our plan. And then like completely leave them out of it. <laughs> exactly. The girls are like, what? Why? And then um, John, one of them on his way out, he says, because my toxic masculinity tells me I have to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a, a scene as well when like the girls kind of barge in and uh, the guys are like all like over each other, like hugging, like, what are you doing here? And like, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's great. It's so yeah. Good. And it, again, it goes back to what I was saying is like, yeah, it's maybe not as silly because that when you think about the original, because it's like, it's so baked into slasher films that all of these kind of cliches and tropes happen but it's like yeah but flip it and it's immediately hilarious you know yeah yeah and and i like that with the subversions that they do in this movie because like when you're kind of doing this it's like you know it's easy to come off like you know like you're trying to be like mean or anything but it's Mm -hmm. like this movie you know one goes full on on the silly and like you know, heavily leans into it to like you know purposefully be like, no, we know it's stupid, but like yeah. here, let's yeah. put it as plainly as possible, so that way, like when you hear it, you like can kind of recognize like, oh yeah, like these yeah. kind of things are silly. Well, uh, further proof that the film recognizes it is if you look at the poster for the movie, the tagline of the film is "You know the drill," which is a great play on words, but it's also saying it's like. 
it's a slumber party massacre movie. You kind of know this and you know mm-hmm. the expectations and the cliches attributed yeah. to that. And specifically because of that reason, we're able to subvert it and we're able to comment on it and, and poke fun. And again, I think it's what's so key about it working in this is it's done in such a loving way. It's not, there's there's not an ounce of cynicism in this movie at all. It's just completely, uh, it feels like they, they love this movie. And uh, not only because of the Easter eggs and references and callbacks and all that kind of stuff, but because it's like, no, there's character names in this that are characters from prior movies and there's cliches and moments and 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 uh plot points for uh prior movies that they directly reference and and kind of poke fun at that i'd say my favorite callback in this is the the guitar yeah he's like i found this guitar (laughs) and it's like this completely ridiculous looking guitar which is then used as a weapon which is a great like the the neck of the guitar breaks off and it gets stuck in the drill and then like the guitar strings are like cutting this guy's face off excellent no notes excellent it is like yeah the 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 visual comedy is also very great in this movie like Mm -hmm. some of um you know some of these things that we see but yeah like and um and we and and you mentioned you know that kill we do get an increase in gore um in this one compared to the rest of the series but not in an unnatural way though um, because everything's a little bit exaggerated in this movie. You know, they exaggerate the sound cues when somebody's walking and sneaking up on someone or, yeah. you know, they they do this. And uh, like even the this um, Russ Thorne's drill feels exaggerated. I'm like, this one is so yeah. large, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's right. like everything is exaggerated, like to an extent. So like the gore, um, the added gore in the kills in this one felt um, natural. Yeah. And it's like we get you know, mainly drill kills, but then with sprinkles of a uh, variety, you know, via guitar strings yeah. or other things like that. <laughs> um, second highest kill count in the series. Uh, the, this one has 13 kills and the first one has 17, oh, wow. which is, which is the, the highest. And it, it edges out the uh, third movie by one kill. So. Who, who right. Intri- How do 17 people die in the first Yeah. I was going to say, cause on, I, yeah. I looked at the dead meat totals and he had 12 for the first one. He had 12 for the first one, seven for the second one, and 12 for the third one. I will say, caveat, apparently I can't read, but it does say that one to five people are killed in the first movie, but it's off screen. And it happened 13 years prior. So on screen kills... It's it's twelve, it is 12 but in, oh, okay, in, yeah. in regards to references to kills, it is it is seventeen. So you're you're correct. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That does. Make I just sense. can't. I just can't read, which is why I stick <laughs> to movies. That's why we stick to movies. Yeah. Uh, again, and I, I dig the I dig the variety um, on top yeah. of um, on top of the numbers. I mean, lots of drills to the face in this one, and I don't know oh, if yeah. that like is meant to feel just like to remind people, like, yeah, it's like a blow job. You see, the drill goes in their <laughs> face, like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's uh, quite common across all the slumber party massacres, like this, you know, penis reference. I don't know what the actual word's called. The, phallic. Phallic? Is, I think, phallic. That's phallic. Is, uh, why I just stick to watching movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and there's, yeah, this, um, you know, this motif across all the films. But mm. um, yeah, I notice there's a lot more like of the camera angles of it, you know, looking like a blowjob because of mm-hmm. the angle of the drill going into faces. And then there's yeah. Dave who loses both his eyes to the drill. 
and then um hilarious moment by the way because they're still (laughs) trying to like keep up the motif that or the you know the the masquerade that it's not like it's supposed to be like a normal slumber party and they're like he was probably attacked by a bear (laughs) i just saw this guy with his eyes drilled out you think that was a bear (laughs) yeah i love that because um because that continues that joke about dave continues throughout the movie because someone's like why are you covered in blood and she's like it's not mine it's dave's and they're like who the fuck is dave like yeah poor dave what do you mean pour one out for dave yeah yeah and and dana even makes a reference to whenever she's uh squaring up with russ which i appreciate that like she like no one is afraid to do like for the most part like they they panic like up until the moment but like when it comes to it all the girls are like all right fuck it like it's time to square yeah. up and uh his drill is having issues and she's like oh performance <laughs> issues yeah <laughs> which is great which is great yeah and i think they have the benefit of doing that in this series versus like a nightmare on elm street or something like that where it's like dude you're going up against like a, a paranormal like nightmare demon like i don't know yeah. maybe, maybe cool it off a little bit where it's just like ah just a guy he's probably in his 50s just kick his knees mm. out you know it'd be great <laughs> <laughs> just run really fast and away just from him fast. like yeah. he'll probably have a heart attack or something yeah you know? i would say Sorry yeah great kills in this in this film I w- i'd be very curious to see what the sci-fi version of this movie is like yeah. what's the made for tv version because i imagine it's not as as brutal or as mm. fun mm. um but yeah there's a lot of really uh devon and i talked about i love when horror movies use like everyday objects to kill people the third yeah. one has uh not to spoil anything but there's like a for sale sign that's used really well in this one yes. the uh the car engine was really cool yes, there's also a, a nail yeah. gun so we get to see some other like you know more power tools tool yeah. kind of the electric yeah. saw like yeah exactly. more power tools. yeah so i i thought all of the ones uh felt very to this series and and yeah. felt practical for this uh russ thorne doesn't do anything in this series that is like you know superhuman or anything it's, it's still grounded yeah. enough and it's still practical enough uh where it still manages to be fun and silly and, and have that kind of lighthearted sense to it but then also being definitely this series yeah yeah and so now i'm intrigued to see if this conversation is gonna take a turn like the th- <laughs> like the third act of this movie does so we yeah. the the girls do dispatch of Russ Thorn. They they have a nice fun showdown throughout the house, and uh, and then they kill him, and he is yep. dead. And and then you check the time, and you go, oh, there's 30 minutes left in this movie. Now oh, what? Wow. Um, yeah. uh, so, Cat, uh, what do you think about the rest of this movie? <laughs> I really love the turn that it takes. Um, <laughs> although, I just something that cracked me up. So when they've killed Russ Thorne and Alex comes rushing out of the house and like stabs yeah. him like 40 times, my niece yeah. turned around on my chair and was like, do you really think that was necessary? <laughs> I was like, Definitely. I was like, that's, yes. I was like, you got to make sure he's dead. And she's like, well, why didn't they cut off his head? Exactly. Yeah. She's like, idiots, they didn't she's cut thinking. off his head. And I was like, how does a seven-year-old know this? Like you're thinking, <laughs> she dude. knows the rules. Hey, she knows she's the in, rules. If she finds herself in a slasher movie, she'll be in good hands. But <laughs> yeah, a great, great moment. She's like, I didn't want to be left out, which is like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It'd be me. I'd get the FOMO and be like, well, I just wanted to be part of it. Yeah, Sorry. you said you said you you liked the 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 mom twist though. So yeah, the twist yeah. in this movie is that uh, Russ Thorn is not the only murdering Thorn out there. The only Thorn in their side. <laughs> nice. There we go. Um, Kay Thorn. Uh, Kay Thorn is is also there. Is also joining the party. 
uh, and uh, she also starts, you know, taking her own hand at, at, at killing some of these kids. So you said you liked the twist there? Yeah, because there is a part where she seems to have been a little bit more human and she's like, well, if you just went to sleep and you didn't do this and you didn't do that, this would never have happened. And like she gave them cookies that were poisoned to make them sick and go to bed. And it's yeah. like, okay, she tried to protect them, I guess. <laughs> If I was going to die, if I was going to die anyway in these movies, it would be poison cookies. That's absolutely yeah, how I would go out. There's no shot. I'd be like, oh, delicious. And I'd be Ooh, <laughs> she's like, how many did you have? It's like, oh, I can relate to that. Uh, <laughs> the whole box. Yeah. See, I don't um, know. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead no, you go no, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. But okay. no, I don't want to. I don't want to rain on the parade just yet. You go ahead. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'll throw it to you then because I'm curious what you have to say. And I wonder if my, uh, I'll be able to like kind of retort a little bit. So, so you go ahead. It sounds like you're not as much of a fan where I actually really, I specifically liked this twist. I mean, I don't, I mean, at first I couldn't tell if I was just like, I don't know, too stupid to like realize like what was going on. Cause like, I kind of like cat, you know, you saw that as like, she was trying to help them. And I was like, I don't know about that. Like, it sounded to me more like, I don't, like, you know, this movie is, you know, making some social commentary here and there. And I don't mm -hmm. know if it's a stretch to, like, kind of see this as, like, you know, them showing um, Mama Thorne as, like, kind of, like, the parents of these, like, you know, kids that go on, you know, like, school shootings that, like, try to rationalize their kid doing some, like, heinous thing. And, like, her being like, oh, well, why'd you have to do that? Like, because in, in theory, Russ does not know that they are doing these things. Like, what? does He doesn't know that one of them is stupid. Why is What's-Her-Face acting like she's dumb in the car? Russ can't hear her in the car, you know? Like, one of them's acting like the hot one. He's not looking for that. He doesn't know these things. So, it's like, it's weird that she was like, oh, well, if you guys just would have went to bed. Like, what do you mean? Like, if they would have just, like, not lived their lives? You know, so it's like I kind of saw it as like, you know, her, you know, just like in this, you know, demented way trying to rationalize like what he did. And like, I don't know, mm -hmm. Kay Thorne, Karen, I don't know. That's okay. That one's stretching. I'll let you know. <laughs> I can definitely see that, that, you know, she eventually snapped at the end and was like, well, and goes into her, you know, victim blaming spiral that yeah. she goes into before trying to kill them herself. But yeah, I think at the start, maybe she had good intentions and was like, okay, well, if you're quiet and go to sleep, like just be quiet, stay inside. Yeah. And then her son dies and kind of snaps and we see this other side of her. Yeah, I thought this twist was was really not only surprising, but when they started to kind of explain why this was the case, it's it's clear that it's not just like a Jason Voorhees' mom kind of situation where it's like, oh, no, she's the killer the whole time. You know, it's not just that. I think, Devon, you're on the right track of it is kind of this uh, uh, victim blaming boys will be boys kind of thing. And it's she's not focusing on her son and how her son is the one who's perpetrating all of these things she's blaming blaming it on the victims and saying that it's because of their fault because of yeah. what they were wearing or what they were doing Devon, you like it's like you had brought it up and then it's also in this movie and they're like what do you mean like living life and having fun with my friends and eating pizza like that's going to make him kill us and it's kind of that same idea of mm -hmm. like you know, girls get um, uh, attacked or brutalized in the street. It's like, well, what were they wearing? And, you know, it's like this weird kind of justification for whatever happens in uh, sexual violence and sexual assault and things like this. And I think it's a really clever way to address something like that. 
um, and, and in a way that also allows for an opportunity uh, for uh, Trish, her mom, to come in and to have her moment and her moment of redemption as well and having an opportunity for her, herself to be able to actively combat this, uh, actively combat this uh, uh, shadow that's been kind of looming over her for, for decades now and the fact that she's able to be the one who puts an end to everything everything I thought was really apt so I think you have the kind of fun horror commentary there of having like the mom versus mom kind of thing uh, like like the you know uh, the Jason Voorhees the kind of situation but then you also have the social commentary which this series is not uh, no stranger to so I really liked the twist I can understand how it could be a little like we've got 30 minutes left like okay sure but uh, I thought it justifies its existence for sure yeah I mean, I wouldn't even put it in, not even just like in the pacing way, because it's not that I don't want, you know, uh, Trish to have this moment, you know, and like, because I, you know, not that I forgot about her for a sec, because like, once that was going on, like, and they were getting chased by Kay, I was like, all right, Mama's going to come at any point to like, kind of be the deus ex machina, which is fine. I want that for her. But I feel like the way that they went about it was very odd, because I feel like, because then it, like, did get Dana to, like, then start blaming herself for, like, the th- situation that they're in. And, like, yeah, taking accountability that, like, yeah, it was a dangerous thing to, like, put her friends in these situations. But then also when she got into the, I thought I need to do this for my mom to move on. But my mom would have moved on if she didn't have me. And then she, and I, that whole thing really confused me. So it's, I like, know. I felt like that, like, undermined Dana in a way, I feel like they could have caved her arc a little bit better of a, a way. And then it also feels weird that it's like, okay, Trish is getting her revenge by killing Russ's mom. She didn't get to kill Russ. She's killing Russ's mom, which feels like in a weird, I don't know, women against women type of thing. I don't, well, I don't we, know. Well, we talked about that last week of like, how would we feel about this series uh, taking like a gender kind of swap with the in regards to the no, villain yeah. of the movies we like would that, that feel like kind of would that feel kind of antithetical to the series um which i think is is definitely still up for debate and cat i'd be here curious to see your perspective but i do think in regards to dana kind of turning on herself and wondering if <laughs> to blame i think that's still on un- un- i say unfortunately with a, like a bit of a caveat unfortunately for society not as much for the movie but unfortunately does kind of track with society to where if you have people perpetually blaming the victim and asking, well, what were you doing? It makes it seem like that person's doing something wrong. And then I think after time, that person could say, well, maybe it was me. Maybe I did wear the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, or maybe I should have been out that late by myself Mm. or done this other thing to where it's like, you didn't do anything wrong. You were just living your life. And this person came to you and interrupted everything. I know it doesn't quite track. It's not like a one-to-one comparison yeah. because they did actively go there looking for trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I had- and question that, that too. Yeah. Maeve totally, turns yeah. on a real fast too. Yeah. It doesn't entirely hold water, but I do like the idea that eventually she does kind of start to question herself. I, I say, unfortunately, because it's like, that's kind of what happens in society, yeah. which, you know, is a, 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 you know, a frustrating pattern to see. But Kat, I wanted to ask you about how do you feel about there being like a female killer in this? Because that's not really something that we've ever seen in these movies up to this point. Yeah. I think it will be really interesting to see it as a female villain. 
uh, even potentially enacting the exact same motives and kills and whatnot and still having that phallic motif because I mm-hmm. think that could still work for a female villain and character. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see, you know, this film be taken down that route. If if anyone's interested, uh, write about it. Do a fanfic. I'll read it. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I'm just now remembering, Garrett, what I did say in last episode. Do you remember what I said? Because I remember now. I do too. Yeah, you were. I wanted it to be a 60s housewife mom getting (gasps) mad at the girls for putting themselves out there and doing the things. I'm I'm telling you. I I didn't want to pull out the receipts, but you know, that's. (laughs) Yeah, that uh, there is. Well, you had mentioned specifically kind of like a generational. Yeah. uh, A generational thing, which I will say, go see X if you want to see that kind of story. I'm not going to shoot you into that. But that definitely does. That does kind of. Oh man, you're gonna have to wait. But uh, (laughs) I did. I I did see it last night, and there is kind of shades of that. Won't go too much into there. Okay. But but yeah, there is kind of this idea that I think is really interesting in here. That it's like how crucial and necessary it is for like women to believe other women, and like, and especially in regards to being victims of violence, and how crucial that is again i might be stretch armstrong here but i i think that that i think it is here in this movie uh where it does talk about how there needs to be that kind of unifying uh that uh belief in in in, in women and and not you know the men portion in this it's mostly made for laughs but uh in regards to the female characters and kind of the generational gap here i think it's there might be a bit of a stretch but i think you can i, I think it's some of it is there you know i think what you were saying about um that internal victim blaming that a lot of women do experience when Mm -hmm. they have had something traumatic happen to them Mm -hmm. is definitely reflected in this film uh Dana goes through like you said she goes through that where she's like oh it's my fault it's Mm -hmm. my fault and I'm you know I'm lucky enough to have been a woman who hasn't experienced you know uh trauma to that extent where I would be blaming myself but I'm mm-hmm. sure there's, you know, victims of sexual assault and domestic violence that are like, oh, that was me. I did that. Like, I mm, did yeah. that to myself. When mm-hmm. it's like, no, you, you had nothing to do with that. You were just there. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's the only thing that happened was that exactly. you just happened to be there. Yeah, and it, it is interesting that, like, you watch a lot of horror movies and when they summon somebody, it's like, you're fucking around with some stuff you probably shouldn't have been. You were drawing pentagrams and pouring down <laughs> salt and doing all this stuff. And the way that they summon this killer is literally just by like having fun and just (laughs) like girls you know like it's it's kind of funny yeah i mean i find it interesting that the slasher subgenre has always is the one like you said like like you know when you you have a possession movie or something uh, some demon shit it's yeah it's usually they're doing stuff that they definitely shouldn't have been doing versus in slashers you do feel like it's like you know the rules of a slasher feel like punishments you know for these regular you know things which when you think about the 80s you know where the slashers were in their heyday it was like kind of a a squeaky clean good time fun oh yeah reagan era america are you kidding me you know so it is um you know what i do love about you know the slum party massacre series in general was how it um you know aim to you know make it a point to be like hey it is okay to if you want to have sex which you know sex isn't a thing in this movie um it like really doesn't have any play whatsoever this is the least horny 
of yeah. the series. We get one dildo. Doesn't kill anybody like it does in the third movie, which is a shame. <laughs> but the, we, we get one dildo. Yeah. We, we another good callback. I, I I have to. I feel like yeah. that's the only callback to three that we get in this one because we do get <laughs> Easter eggs to all the other ones, and then they're like, okay, here we got to mention three at least once. Yeah, so. yeah. It's like the 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 Halloween masks, like the sh- you know, silver shamrock. And they're like, okay, we'll we'll mention this one, but we're gonna move on. But yeah, and I I think that's a good point, Devon, because this is a series that isn't isn't as sexual as you would think it would be like it's not there's not a lot of sex in this series it's mostly nudity but it's completely desexualized like most of the nudity in the first movie is women just showering and when you're watching a horror movie it's like well you got naked you're gonna die it's like i'm showering you know (laughs) and so this is kind of the same thing it's like you don't expect me to bathe you know it's it's yeah it's and uh apparently you think you smell like a dead body in the freezer when you don't bathe but you know yeah it's kind of that it plays to that idea and that's what I'm talking about, where there's a lot of commentary and references to this series and, and also slasher in general that I think makes this a lot more than just uh, a requel like we saw with the new Scream movie. It's an actual commentary on a, on a lot of what we're seeing uh, in these films in, a, in a, a creative and fun way, totally ch- tongue in cheek way. Uh, and also the humor a lot of the times works in this movie. There's multiple times where I laughed out loud in this film. Oh, yeah. I laughed my way through the entire thing. It yeah. just, um, I think from the first two, uh, like Devon was saying about that time period, sexualized nudity was totally normal in a slasher film. Yeah. And now as we've gone through the different decades, you know, Scream and um, whatever other slashes, I don't really watch a lot of slashes beyond like 95. <laughs> sure. Up until now, where we have this kind of slasher where there is no nudity, women aren't mm-hmm. doing things they don't want to do. Yeah. There's no gratuitous violence against women that isn't like unnecessary in a way. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of just totally taken those original films and yeah, like we've said the entire time, subverted everything about it. Yeah, I, I think this is a nice entry into the um the meta um you know subgenre as well. Um with it, you know, going as far to be like almost absurdity, like as far as like some of the dialogue in this movie, um, yeah. which I think um really works out uh pretty perfectly. And um yeah, I didn't prepare you guys for it, but I feel like it's kinda easy. Um you know, and Kat, you're still missing an entry. But um, I wanted us to rank um, the song Party Massacre movies. Um, I'll start with you, Garrett, um, okay. as we uh, go through the four entries. I think uh, this is my favorite. Uh, this is the one that I, I enjoyed the most. It's hard not to rank the first one as number one, but I think this one really stands tall and and has its own distinctive features as opposed to some of the uh some of the other entries into this where the first one is kind of just like halloween light you know um with that being said though i think the the first one would be my number two uh, because I do think it is such a fun time. Uh, it's it's a it's a vibe for sure. Uh, it, it does feel like something that you would just stumble across in a VHS store uh, at this little beat up copy. 
after that, I have the second one because of how weird it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish it was a little weirder. I think it takes a little while to get weird. Uh, a lot of the movie is just uh, dream sequences and them kind of waiting uh, for it to get strange. And then when it kicks off, it really, really kicks off. Uh, and then the third one would be in my uh, my last spot just because I, I didn't feel like it was terribly inspired. Doesn't really add a lot to the series other than some pretty creative kills, uh, which I thought were um, probably still highlights in this series. I think this one, it's hard to tell. There, there's some really solid kills in this, but the third one, I think that's really the only memorable uh, component of that film, in my opinion. What about you, Devon? Um, so I'm going to go with uh, number two for number one. Um, I think I think number two is the best um, and not even just because of like how wild it is I like even before it's getting wild like I like how um, psychological it is um, examining a you know post final girl from the first one and how that trauma has affected her then and how you know it manifests itself and um, I just really like the way that it is very dreamlike. It's very trippy. I love all the music. And I think in number two is the most tight knit of the girls. Um, you know, um, obviously, I think it's because it is a dream for most of the movies. So it's like the idyllic, you know, slumber party and girls. And um, I think they just seem to have had the most fun um, in there. Um, I would put this at number two. But not going to lie, when I watch it again, I'm kind of just going to stop after Russ Thorne dies. <laughs> um, I, I think this movie, oper- the, these movies are known, um, you know, these are all very short movies. Um, even with all the added stuff, this movie does still clock in at under 85 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, I would have taken it at 65, <laughs> you know, but even still with um, the stuff afterwards, it doesn't like, like dampen the movie. Or it, it just kind of, I was just like, yeah, I, but I was satisfied enough from like everything else up until that point that like, I'm fine <laughs> with whatever happened afterwards. Like, and this has the best kills of the series um, by far. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and it, it is the funniest too. Like I did laugh so much throughout this one. And then I'm going to put number three in the three spot. Um, I decided I like three better than one. <laughs> um, uh, I think that is going to be my hottest take of this whole <laughs> shebang. Um, I like that three is our Jalo whodunit entry into the series. I think it, it gets better as it goes on. Um, it has another great group of girls. The boys are even a little more interesting. We get a variety of kills in it. I like three quite this a guy. bit. This guy. What a, this guy. I, I, you, think I, you. you think I'm doing this on purpose, Garrett, but I'm not. Like, I truly do feel this way hey, about number you three. You said it was your second to least favorite. That's, it's, uh, you know, it's exactly one different than mine. So it's not like you're like, this is my favorite one in the series. Also, fuck you, Garrett, you know. <laughs> and then uh, And then number one, even though it's at the bottom, I still like it. Um, it's very, very simple, and I like that about it. That's very simple. It also has a, a very good sense of humor. I think it's the second funniest of the series. Um, uh, Russ Thorne, and um, we didn't really talk about uh, 2021 Russ Thorne. Um, I yeah, liked him. 
he does a good impression of the original guy. Yeah. Oh, he admitted that's all he was doing. He admitted, yeah, he, like, he, I'm literally yeah. just doing the first guy. But I like of, how, like, high he looks up in the air. Yeah, he's got a lot of chin acting in this. His chin yeah. is a lot of le- heavy lifting here. <laughs> yeah, but um, the the original, the OG, it's fun. It um, it sets the formula and the game plan in motion. And, um, you know, it does all the things that a um, slasher series starter needs to do. And mm-hmm. um and doing all the things you know that weren't typical for a slasher movie at the time. So for mm-hmm. taking the risks it did in the time that it came out, definitely respect the first one still. So overall, I really like all four of these. Um, I yeah. I think they're a good time. Um, cat, even though you've now you've just heard about Fabled Three, um, but <laughs> it's now um, an ig- enigma. No, but um, <laughs> how would you put the the three that you've seen? Okay, so I'd probably go 1982 original as number one because the sense of humor in that one is a lot more in my vein of sense of humor. Uh, it's very subtle, sarcastic, cynical. Um, some of the kills are really great. Um, them finding their friend in the freezer. Oh, okay. no, sorry. Where they don't find her in the freezer. Like yeah. that kind of humor yeah. is me. And I just love that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the dialogue in the first one. Um, the Do you think the, the, the freezer bit is a callback, like in this one is a callback to that? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, kind of just connected totally. that. Yeah. You saw it Where in real time. Where he's got like the beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. That I think that they, you know, this, the 2021 definitely played, paid a lot of, you know, love and homage to yes. the original um, I don't know. I just really enjoy. Um, uh, I can't remember her last name. Amy Amy Holden Jones is um, directing in this as well. The cast is really fantastic. Russ Thorne is the weirdest dude in the world. Um, <laughs> the pizza scene killed me. Uh, <laughs> where um, yeah, they're eating the pizza even though yeah. the pizza guy's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that kind of humor just really, really gets me. Um, you know cracking up uh then i'd go uh the remake for the similar reasons Mm -hmm. but i enjoy the social commentary that's woven throughout this it's not ham-fisted so you don't feel like they're shoving it in your face so you get to have a laugh while also realizing oh my gosh this is this is what it's saying about this and this is a trope that i didn't really think was ridiculous until i saw it in this movie um and i enjoyed the himbos they were great the Good scenery himbos. was great. Quality himbos. Quality himbos. Quality. Um, <laughs> the deaths were really cool. And then um, and then number two. Uh, number two is just, and that's not saying I like, like you said, Devon, I don't not like it. It's definitely still one of my favorite slashes. It's I love how ridiculous it is. It it could have gotten more ridiculous, and I still would have loved it. So the guitars were great, the kills were great. Um the Oh, I can't remember the blonde character's name. It's her holiday house. Like the stuff she says about her house and not being able to destroy anything because her dad's going to get angry. Like that kind of teenage stuff throughout just really, I don't know, I really related to that in mm-hmm. a way. But yeah, it's a cool movie as well. Yeah. Solid. I from- don't know where number three would be. I'll we're, let you know. Yeah. Be we're- dead last. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> 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 Fuck you, Devon. <laughs> we'll start Garrett's campaign against number three. So that, that's why number three isn't on Shutter because Garrett is that's keeping right. it off of Shutter. 
That's right. I've got a personal got a personal uh, vendetta against number three, and I got a word in at Shutter, and it's never coming. Also, never on Blu-ray either. It's like impossible to find find on Blu-ray. So you know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 keep my campaign out there. I'll start giving out pins and buttons. New <laughs> posters. Exactly. Well, after you hunt it down, <laughs> if you are able, Kat, um, yeah, whenever you, to. when you find, when you watch three, tweet it at us and then we yeah. will get an update <laughs> on, your, you know. <laughs> on your ranking. Okay, here on the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club podcast, we like to do a little fun special game here called Movie Math. It's a pretty simple game. What you do is you just take a couple of movies. What are you laughing at me for? Huh? <laughs> so i saw you update yours (laughs) me Uh, oh okay okay you you judge me for making these complicated i'm glad yours is getting complicated now now. so anyway devon you ruined my intro uh here on the bloody bun cinema club podcast we like to do a little fun game here called movie math it's pretty simple uh you take this movie that we just reviewed on the show here and you think what movies could you add together or even multiply or divide together like mr devon's gonna do uh, that will equal the final product of this movie. Uh, so, Devon, do you want to go ahead and start us off with what movies you have uh, selected for this week? Oh, no. I was hoping my chaos wouldn't be first, but um, yeah, I'll <laughs> go ahead. Um, so, we, m- me and Garrett both kind of did uh, this earlier as well, and we're kind of doing it again because Slumber Party Massacre, similar to Scream, does follow the formula. Um, so, you know, I will take the, obviously, the um, original, the Slumber Party Massacre, and um, I added it with Tucker and Dale um, it, because um, it is very much like, yeah, the, the slapstick comedy style of it felt very much similar to Tucker and Dale where people are pretty much their dialogue is, um, you know, what we're thinking in our brains like as we're watching. And um, for that use of, you know, the comedy, the visual gags as well, um, even the kills. Um, all very kind of similar and then yeah and then the aspect where it's like you know the guys and the girls are both blaming each other thinking that the other is killing the other one so you definitely have that there so now for yeah first time in movie math um, we got some division up in here so I'm gonna take so the equation looks like that means like what does that even I'm I'm gonna explain it to you I'm I'm gonna explain it so so you take slumber the slumber party massacre uh tucker and uh tucker and dale versus evil you add those together and then you're gonna divide that so those are in parentheses and it would be underneath it it'd be divided by black christmas 2019 and why divided you say instead of multiply because multiply i usually do for like adding like an aesthetic or tone to the Mm -hmm. equation Mm -hmm. i pick divided by because um, Black Christmas does a lot of the things that this movie, or this movie does a lot of the things that Black Christmas was trying to do, but better. Um, I feel like the social commentary was just delivered in such a more efficient way, um, in this film than it was in Black Christmas, uh, 2019. Like I saw what they were going for, but I don't know. It just, it, I got left with a weird taste in my mouth. Um, and, and also, but it, because it was like trying to deliver it, but what it is like also being serious, this one mm-hmm. delivers its social commentary in a way of like being like, yes, we understand that it's ridiculous, but we're going to reiterate it for you and committing to silliness, like just kind of help the commentary 
uh, deliver a little bit better. And there is also the shades of, um, you know, the girls fighting back. That was like, you know, one of the big things of Black Christmas 2019. Um, and mm-hmm. like, especially like they really beefed that part up in the marketing, but then the result in the film is not as advertised, I'd say. Um, so you can hear me talk a lot of shit on Black Christmas 2019. Um, we did that with the other Black Christmas movies like a year ago. So you can listen to that yes. episode if you want to hear more. So that is my movie math um, chaos. I have not seen the the new Black Christmas, but I hear it sucks. So I'm probably not going to watch it. Um, but yeah, uh, that's uh, I think you and I went in a kind of similar direction here. I finally added some arithmetic to this. I've got a multiplication <laughs> yeah. uh, problem here. Um, uh, like Devon, I started off with the original Slumber Party Massacre because a lot of this film is in reference and in tribute to that uh, initial film there. And then I added the beginning of Jason Goes to Hell. So if you wanted to say like the first eighth of Jason goes to hell and that's because if you've seen that movie, it starts off with like what you would especially or expect to see in a Friday the 13th movie. It's like this girl, she's in the shower and then you hear that like that kind of music and they do the whole thing. Come to find out the FBI or some agency has like all swarmed Camp Crystal Lake <laughs> and are there to ambush Jason and kill him. Uh, so that's the kind of angle that I took. And that's really the only other slash movie that I can <laughs> think of to where there's like a, a conceited effort to like, let's go to this person's place and just kind of, this is enough. We're going to kill this guy. So you've got the beginning of Jason goes to hell uh, and then multiplied by, as Dazon, as uh, Dazon, Devon said, to kind of get the aesthetic of and the kind of the mood of uh, multiplied by Cabin in the Woods, because uh, that's a movie that deals a lot with uh, tropes and cliches that you would find in respective horror movies. Uh, and I think a lot of uh, the Slumber Party Massacre remake uh, comments on a, a lot of things that you would expect to find not only in this very series, but in uh, other kind of similar films as well. So Cat. What do you got? Your first movie math problem. Well, I basically copied Devon's homework. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm a teacher. Wow. <laughs> I'm a history teacher. I'm oh, not okay. a math That's teacher. Fine. That's fine. Yeah, the answer is going to be the same. <laughs> I oh, wrote Slumber Party Massacre, Time Scream, plus Black Christmas. There you oh, go. okay. So a little bit different, a little bit different because, okay, so you've got your Slumber Party Massacre, you've got the original story in there mixed up with the social commentary that it has. Time screen because of the meta-ness and awareness of this film that this uh, 2021 version has. And then Black Christmas, not because I, I didn't dislike and I didn't like 2019 Black Christmas, but the um, social commentary that female gaze and um, that toxic masculinity yeah. commentary that they had throughout that film. Mm-hmm. So, and then that equals Slumber Party Massacre 2021. I'm yeah. pretty sure that would like even make sense the way that, like, you know, how like math problems, uh, <laughs> if you have the same things in them, but just in the different order of operations or like in a, or yeah. on a, yeah. the different side of the equal sign, it still adds up to the same movie. In the way yeah. that mine's division with uh, Black Christmas 2019 underneath it, yours would be, you know, um, a Slumber Party Massacre times uh, Scream in parentheses with the plus yeah. Black Christmas on the, on the outside. Yeah. Is so, that like the commutative property or something like that? I don't know. 
I didn't. I stopped doing maths in year ten. I was about to say. I was like, let me let me <laughs> ring up my my junior high math teacher. The, <laughs> Get the, the sugared on the line. <laughs> the only reason I'm good with like algebra stuff was because I loved chemistry, and you and like the, oh. you use a lot of these kind of like balancing equations and yeah. chemistry and stuff. Like I used to love doing that shit. So definitely failed chemistry as well. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> took intro to chemistry, and I was like, "This sucks. I can't even do this." <laughs> I was such a I was such a nerd. I took the college chemistry class that I did not need to take. I took it for oh, fun my, my senior year of high school when I need when I didn't need to do anything. I took like one of the hardest classes for funsies. <laughs> I deserve to be thrown in a trash can. I'm like, you need to put my head in a toilet now. Yeah. I thought I was supposed to be the nerdy one on the podcast, but you know, while you were in chemistry in high school, I was out jacking to girls. You know? <laughs> You're learning. Driving my, driving my fast car. My, uh, my I was spice. just uh, <laughs> putting extra layers of eyeliner on my, you know, lower lash line and nice. brushing my big emo friend Ooh, big alanis morissette vibe or you know you, you <laughs> no were, my chemical romance <laughs> oh okay okay a little bit later then you, a little bit yeah later. you were always yeah. you were always five minutes late to class because you had to go touch up the fringe every time that's yeah. right yeah needed that's some right. more hairspray get the comb out like i don't have enough wristbands on and he's <laughs> wristbands. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness we're we're learning new things about each other today. I love it. And uh, speaking of learning, Kat, it was so great having you on the pod. Um, uh, you host a wonderful podcast. I uh, want you, you to tell the folks about it and where the people can find you. Yeah, so you can find me at Catstead underscore, and my podcast is linked all through my Twitter. It's super easy to get to. So TGIF, a horror movie podcast, is basically myself and a new guest every week. We go through a horror movie scene by scene and basically find the funny bits, because I think that every horror movie is funny in its own right. So I want to laugh about it, and hopefully people who don't necessarily enjoy horror because it's scary can find something funny with us. Yeah, I've gotten to be on there twice. Um, the Mandy one, not as many funny bits to find, but was no. still a great, great conversation. Hellraiser, we had a hoot and a holler <laughs> of a time. Uh, there's so much funny stuff to find in that one. Uh, that was Leather Daddies. It was great. All the sweat. It's a sweaty episode. Oh, it's a sweaty <laughs> it's a, movie. It's a very wet movie. It's very yeah. Funny. It is. Yeah. Uncle Frank is yeah. like dripping that entire movie. I'm like, this. Guy, I want to get like a yeah, paper towel. Is. We're all dripping for Uncle you know? Frank. <laughs> well played. Well played. And uh, Garrett, what are you working on right now? Um, if you guys are interested in some horror talk, uh, you can check out my YouTube channel at Garrett McDowell. I just finished writing my review for X. So if you want to get some X thoughts, I uh, should be posting that review sometime in the coming day or so. Uh, if you want some more podcast talk for me, I host a Star Wars podcast with my buddy Noah called Scum and Villainy. Uh, got a lot of fun stuff on there. Big year for Star Wars, so plenty to talk about. Uh, but if you just want to see me talking movies in general, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Garrett McDowell. I'm always watching and talking about something I'm watching or talking about. So you can uh, follow me there. Man, all my thoughts are X-rated, Garrett. Um, <laughs> you can, which you can find on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. Um, I'm working on something really silly and ridiculous right now that'll be going on my Instagram soon. Um, it, this, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
damn, you're burning me and the podcast at the same time. <laughs> hey, I'm here too. You I know, know you're exactly. Getting so it's like, wait I'm, a second. I'm right here with you. <laughs> yeah, it's, wait a minute. Um, uh, but yeah, work on something really silly. So uh, just follow me on Instagram and you'll see what that's all about. And I also host a, another podcast, Breaking Waves, on the Beta Wave YouTube channel, uh, interviewing uh, creative artists out here in LA. That's a fun time. And uh, you'll find me sometimes on uh, the Pod and Pendulum podcast as well. Uh, we'll be talking Curse of Chucky on there soon. Um, I'm, I'm guessing on like two other podcasts this week too. Lots of podcasts coming. So just just keep an eye out. I'm everywhere, baby. Um, but what do we have to close out the month? Because there is an extra week in March. Um, and to continue the conversation of women in horror for the month we will be joined by the two first guests ever on the uh podcast it is uh harmony and bj colangelo will be returning to the podcast they joined me to uh, talk seed of chucky like on like the fifth episode way back when and uh, lots has changed since then so it'll be nice to catch up with them and um we are just going to kind of have a nice laid-back discussion about um you know some of our favorite uh, female directors uh, thoughts on final girls and just women in the horror genre in general and um we're just gonna we're, we're gonna chit chat about it i'm very excited for it that sounds great yeah very excited to have that conversation there this has been such a fun time to uh like like you know black history month last month it's always great to be able to just like focus an entire month talking about a specific group of people who don't really get their their due in horror and i'm excited to uh, continue doing this we have um uh, pride month coming up maybe we could do something fun for that as well but i'm also very excited for next month theme on horror are we going to tease that here are we saving that for next week devon Nah, they gotta come back next week they gotta wait <laughs> they gotta they you gotta, gotta come wait. back you gotta listen to the next episode next tuesday make sure you guys subscribe um but yeah no you guys gotta you gotta wait for it we're gonna but, tease them but that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Make sure you subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And you can follow us on social media at Bloody Blunt's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. So until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>